to step up, take control of your business, and decide to be your very best as a leader right now. Hello, everybody. This is the Lead Now podcast. I'm your host, Mike Payton. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Shanna Tingem, who is the co-owner with her husband of Heritage Financial Strategies, a financial advisory firm that just celebrated its fifth anniversary in April. She and her husband also do tech consulting for other financial advisory firms. So she's operating multiple businesses. And I'm really excited to have her with us today to share her perspective on leadership in an EOS company. Welcome to the show, Shanna. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's my great pleasure. And I'm going to just start with an open-ended question and ask you to tell me and our listeners how your entrepreneurial journey began. <laughs> wow. Um, how far back do you want to go? I, um, <laughs> to, to, to infancy, if that's where it started. Yeah, it really did. So I was a hustler growing up. I wasn't raised in a family of entrepreneurs, though. So I didn't really have great role models in that respect. Both my folks worked regular quote unquote J-O-Bs. But I always sort of had the entrepreneurial bug. So I was always doing babysitting, mowing lawns, doing all sorts of odd jobs to make a buck. And that really translated into my early work career. I got my real estate license when I was 19 um, and started selling real estate part-time while I was working full-time and going to college full-time. So selling real estate was one of the five jobs I had that put myself through college. Um, and it just sort of took a life of its own from there. Awesome. That is a very common theme on this podcast and every conversation I've ever had with an entrepreneur. Uh, tell us about the company or companies that you and your husband are running today. Yeah, for sure. So I have been in the financial services industry really pretty much my whole career, starting from that real estate experience. I moved into lending and then banking and then financial planning and advising for the last 10. So the last five years, I have been running Heritage Financial Strategies, and that's my baby, my company. And about a year ago, we decided to bring my husband into the business as well, who's had his own career in technology for the last 25 years. And so sort of merging that, we stumbled into a third business, which is technology consulting for other financial advisory firms just like mine. So at this particular moment, we're running three businesses, but we hope for that to be two businesses here very, very shortly as my husband transitions out of his business and full-time into the heritage side. Yeah. And tell me about the two businesses that consume the lion's share of your time. Take them one at a time with, start with yeah, for sure. financial. Yep. So Heritage is a full service financial planning and investment management firm. We're investment fiduciaries. Um, I also do divorce planning as part of the services that I offer within Heritage. So we work with individuals and businesses in Arizona and really throughout the United States that want comprehensive financial planning advice as they are preparing to send kids to college for retirement or to make a life change, get married, get divorced, those sort of things. And in my business currently, I have a full-time assistant that is an absolute rock star. And my husband who is 
transitioning to more of a full-time role as well as a, another part-time assistant that is amazing. And we're in the process of bringing on a junior advisor as well as another advisor. So two more staff uh, by the end of the year, hopefully. Wow. And our goal really is to bring them into the fold and allow me to then do more of what I love to do, which is really the marketing, the sales, and working with clients and less on the administrative side. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So as I look at your accountability chart today, what seat or seats do you occupy? <laughs> well, I'm for sure the visionary. Mm-hmm. My husband is the implementer. And so that's a fun combination, especially when you're living in the same house. I have all the great ideas and he's the one that gets to tell me no all the time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the, he's the integrator. He's the yes, there we go. Yeah, Integrator. Right. Yeah, that's it. And so he gets to uh, he gets to tell me no, and I get to throw all kinds of ideas up on the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> that's what I love doing, honestly. And that's why I think that that's a great seat for me. I also occupy the financial planning seat. Mm-hmm. So I do financial planning directly with clients. And the asset management seat right now, I do implement asset management plans for clients as well. Got it. And a couple of other minor, small roles, but those are the big ones. Got it. Uh, what's your typical day or week look like in your business? And I, I realize there's a risk asking an entrepreneur that question because there's no <laughs> such thing as a typical week, but if no, there were, what would it look like? Yeah. So I'm going to give you my typical week pre-COVID uh, because it's definitely changed Fair since enough. all of this has happened. But I work with clients about 60% of my week. So those are either client or prospect meetings. And most of the clients that I work in direct relationship to are those that are working with us on a financial plan. So I have, you know, 60% of my week is occupied with client meetings. The remainder of my week is typically either working on the business or getting the work done to accomplish those client meetings. So to wrap up or prepare for the meetings that we have coming up. Awesome. And if I asked you to pinpoint one, two, or three reasons your business has been as successful as it has, what would you talk about? What are the reasons you've been successful? Yeah. I mean, I think I haven't been afraid to really define my target market and what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. A lot of folks in my industry will take, you know, anything that has the desire to hire them. And, you know, as long as they have money, that's great. And I'm very clear on what I enjoy doing and what I don't and what I am good at and what I'm not. So I'm not afraid to say no if it's not the right fit. And that's been really good for me. I'm a hard worker. As I mentioned earlier, I've always been and will continue to have that Midwestern work ethic as my parents like to say. So I'm also not afraid to roll my sleeves up and get in and do what needs to be done. And I attract folks on my team that are exactly the same way. And I love that. Awesome. Thank you. And then what's the firm's biggest challenge right now, besides the fact that you and her husband are a visionary integrator duo? uh... (laughs) Well, managing the growth for sure is tricky. So in November of last year, I also bought another practice that's in a neighboring town Mm -hmm. and that advisor is retiring in the next three to five years. And so bringing them into the fold, integrating them into our culture and values and systems in addition to our practice, which is growing right now, I mean, it's yeah. just, it's a constant work in progress. Yeah. So tell me a story or give me an example of the kind of challenges that presents for you. Can you remember something that happened in the last three months where you went, oh my God, growing is way harder than not growing? 
Oh, for real. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, when we first built my systems and really it was me building them at the time because my husband was full-time working in his business. When we first built all of the processes and procedures and systems for this business, I said I would never hire another advisor. I would be the only advisor in my practice forever and ever, right? <laughs> and you know what happens when you say you're never going to do something in business. Uh, of That's, course, of course, right. the next thing you do. Um, I also said I would never buy another business. So mm. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so we built all of these wonderful systems. And then I brought another advisor on and I bought a book of business and none of those systems and automations that I had spent months building worked right with multiple right. advisors to say nothing of multiple locations. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And okay. so we really had a struggle because not only was that tricky, but the office space that I have that I am in today that I absolutely love accommodates one advisor. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so if I had to boil your experiences down to one great piece of advice for our listeners, what would you call it? I'd never say never. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, that that's one. Um, yeah. What I'm thinking is plan for growth, right? Even before yeah. you think that's what you're going to do, because oh. it's hard to undo decisions you make and growth is alluring. Okay. Exactly. Last question about the business. I don't know that I've ever heard somebody describing a financial advisory firm before mention a focus on divorce related financial planning. Mm -hmm. And so that's somewhat novel. I'm guessing our listeners want to know more about that. Tell us why you're intrigued by that and you've developed yeah. an expertise in that field. Yeah, for sure. So I'm a certified divorce financial analyst. And essentially what that means is that I have specialty training in dividing the assets when mm. a couple is considering or going through a divorce. And mm. in a lot of states like Arizona, it, you know, we're a community property state, so it seems pretty simple, right? You get half, I get half, and we go our separate ways. But you can't take a machete and divide a house or a car in two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... And there are tax implications for, you know, you take this asset, I'll take that one. There are different tax rules around you take the lake house and I'll take our primary residence mm. or, you know, you take the Roth and I'll take the 401k. And so part of divorce financial planning is really helping everybody understand those rules, including the attorneys, so You're that right. everybody gets what they think they're getting when they walk away. Mm. Cool. Very interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about leadership, mm -hmm. if we can. Sure. I wonder if you can look back in your life and your career and pick one great leader that's influenced you and maybe somebody who wasn't a great leader and you said to yourself, I'm never going to behave that way when I'm a leader. Oh, I'd like yeah. to hear about both examples. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd love to hear about both examples if you could. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So really, really early in my career, I had a good example of the bad type of leader. And it was one of the five jobs I had going to college. In addition to selling real estate, I was a property manager. I managed, um, I was assistant manager for the apartment complex that I lived in. 
And my manager showed up when she felt like it. When she showed up, she spent her days laying out by the pool of the apartment complex instead of actually doing the work, which she left to me, who had no training and no knowledge and really just didn't know what I was doing, but somebody had to do it. It was an absolute mess. And I had a lot of responsibility at a young age that I wasn't prepared to take on. And Mm. daily, I said to myself, if I'm ever in the position of managing people, I will never do it that way. Hmm. So apparently in your seat on the accountability chart now, we don't have a bullet that says lay by the pool. (laughs) No, we don't. Okay. All right. I just wanted to clarify that. So now give us an example of somebody who's inspired you as a leader or who's Oh, absolutely. Good news is I have probably just as many of those, but most recently in a totally unrelated industry, I had an amazing manager and his name was Roger. Um, We're still great friends today. He brought me into a company, uh, recruited me, brought me into a company and really showed me what leadership really is all about. And especially during the trying times of the real estate crash in 08, it was a mortgage company that I was working for. I was their national trainer for sales training. So he brought me in and was really there beside me as things got rough and encouraging and uplifting and just every positive good example you can imagine, he exemplified it. And to this day, I do my best to walk in his very large shoes as I run my business. Awesome. Let's talk about you as a leader. Tell me about the moment you had your first big success as a leader or you thought to yourself, that's the way Roger would have done it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. So when I started Heritage five years ago, I hired an amazing assistant. I got really super lucky and she was with me for a couple of years. And then she moved into a bigger role at a firm closer to her house. And I had a series of what I'll call unfortunate hires. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really know what I was looking for. I tried really hard and, but I just, I went through two or three people and I just kind of didn't do it well. I didn't have vision. I didn't have my mission statement. I didn't have goals set up. It was not a good scenario. And the very last person in that unfortunate string of hires, I pretty much knew it as soon as she started that she wasn't a good fit. And about three weeks in, we had kind of what some people would call the come to Jesus conversation. And I said, you know, how do you think things are going? And she said, you know, I'm really struggling. I'm not sure that this is a good fit. And we talked for a good, you know, 15, 20 minutes after that, but we were able to come to an agreement where, as I put it to some of my fellow advisors, she kind of fired herself. (laughs) She admitted that it was not a good fit, that she wasn't comfortable, that she didn't think she could get comfortable enough quickly enough to help. And so we parted ways amicably. And to this day, I still consider that one of my biggest wins because so many times you try to fit the round peg into the square hole and that just wasn't going to happen in this case. Right. Right. Great. Great story. Have you ever felt stuck as a leader? And if so, tell us about that. Yeah, for sure. Well, really the November of last year was when I purchased the other practice that, Mm. that I'm integrating now into mine. And we really hadn't gotten things sort of set up yet. January, end of January was when I was introduced to those clients 
And, you know, in February and March, we were in the process of making things happen and integrating those two pieces of business and technology and systems and processes. And then COVID hit. (laughs) And for a couple of months, really, I felt, I'm not sure if I would use the words like I made a mistake, but boy, I was really stuck were it not for the work that I did and continuing to do with traction and the EOS framework, I don't know that I'd have made it through that couple of months without throwing my hands up and just saying this was a really bad idea. We're coming out the other end of it and I'm grateful that we've put the work in for sure. But, oh man, there was a couple months there where we were really stuck. Yeah. I had another entrepreneur share with me that he was quite comfortable with risk and uncertainty caused by his own decisions. But when you couple those with risk and uncertainty caused by the world in the form of a global pandemic or social activism or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it's a lot. And I think it paralyzed a lot of people who are listening today. So thanks for sharing that. Well, you brought up EOS. And so I, again, I don't want to dwell there, but let's talk a little bit about the impact EOS has had in your business. Let's start by describe how your business felt before you discovered EOS and decided to implement it. Yeah. So my husband and I kind of decided at the beginning of last year that he would become, be, take a more active role on the heritage side. And we spent literally almost the entire year of 2019 ready to kill each other. So it was either marriage counseling or business consulting. (laughs) And then, and then along came COVID to help both of you, apparently. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Okay. We actually had our first session with Chris between Christmas and New Year's last year. So it's all still pretty new to us, but I knew something had to change because what I was doing in 2019 really was working in the business Monday through Friday and then spending all weekend working on the business. Mm-hmm. And that is not a sustainable trajectory for anybody. Mm-hmm. And then I bought the practice and it got worse because I was traveling back and forth between that town and my town and and then trying to figure out how to make all the pieces and parts work together. I just knew I couldn't do it on my own. And I also knew that I wasn't the greatest at listening to my husband who had done this for other businesses before. Him saying, I told you so, really wasn't something I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, totally. It was not working. And for the record, after this interview, just have him call me. I'll give him a couple of sound pieces of advice, including don't say I told you so to your lovely wife. Yeah, that might have been helpful a year and a half ago. Talk about making mistakes. Yeah, it was not. It was not working. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah. So we kind of I had already done a lot of work with mission and vision, and I kind of had some values in mind. We had an org chart, but it was sort of fuzzy. And we had done a lot of work, but we hadn't really put the pieces together in a way that I felt like could carry us into the next chapter, right? Of, you know, what we're going through now. And so a lot of that hard work was super helpful. And really our work with Chris just sort of crystallized and fine-tuned everything and put it in a framework that then we could communicate it to everybody else and make sure that they were on the right bus and on the right seat on the right bus. Well, and it, you know, if I can read into what you just shared with me, it sounds like it took everything out of your head and your responsibility and made it our vision and our plan and our thing, which, man, takes the pressure off. 
Oh um, my gosh, yeah. How would you say the implementation of EOS, where you are in your journey at least, has influenced you as a leader and a manager? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a hundred percent different. You know, we weren't doing any kind of meetings prior to starting the EOS framework. We immediately started doing leadership level 10 meetings, and then we started doing company-wide level 10 meetings. And that was the first thing that I think really just changed everything. I could get all of the stuff that I was frustrated with that wasn't getting done in the business out of my head and give it to somebody who is far better suited to do it. And they really embraced that. I mean, my amazing assistant that I've had a little more than a year now, Danielle, has just really taken the ball and run with it. And her and my husband are working together on some tasks that I don't even have to think about. They're just awesome. getting done. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And that's an amazing thing for me to watch because that yeah. used to be something that I had to do all on my own. Right, right. You don't have to ride every horse over the finish line. <laughs> right. I get it. I don't even know where some of the horses are going. They're just doing their thing. I get it. Um, well, which is awesome. So what, what's been difficult or challenging for you about the implementation process? Any of the tools or? Um, no, I would say just me giving up control, okay. right? And, you know, it's sort of like having a baby and leaving it alone for the first time with a babysitter. <laughs> That's kind of how I compare it because it's like, I still struggle with the, well, that's not the way it's done. I still struggle with that. And that's not what's going to carry us forward. And I'm clear on that, but. Um, yeah, that's that still, transition of managing the way it's done into managing the results and letting somebody else figure out their way of getting the right yes. result. That's a challenge. Yes. Yeah, I hear that a lot. That is a challenge. And I'm not really, a, like I'm, I always tell my staff that I am a really good leader, but I'm a terrible manager. Don't make me micromanage you. That's just not <laughs> what I'm good at. But I find myself sticking my hands in and trying to do it because that's what I got so used to doing. Yeah. My favorite visionary quote, Shanna, is I'm great at managing people that don't need to be managed. <laughs> Which is I'm gonna really put that a, on my computer as wallpaper. <laughs> not not really a thing. So yeah. don't go too far. Don't turn it into a side business. So <laughs> how do you think EOS has helped people other than you in the business? Well, I think that my husband was ready to give up at the end of last year. Certainly we had conversations that this isn't going to work. There are two cooks and there can only be one cook. And if somebody's going to win in the heritage business, it's going to be the person that's licensed to work with the clients, namely me. So he was probably really close to saying, you can do this and figure it out on your own. And without the yin and the yang that we have in skill set in personality in desire of work i'm not sure we'd be where we are today and you know i fully credit chris and the framework of eos for keeping me from losing my mind in those early <laughs> months for sure yeah. well how are you and your husband keeping yourselves on the same page as the visionary and integrator in the business Oh, well, I mean, we use 90IO and religiously and run our level 10s every Monday morning with that framework. Uh, it's certainly not perfect, but it's a thousand percent better than it was when we started. Got it. And I can ask a question, you know, in that framework of 
a task or a milestone. And it's just a question. It's not an accusation. It's not a, when are you going to get this done? Kind of, you know, Mm. fingernails on a chalkboard kind of a thing. Right. I didn't have that ability before. So things are feeling less personal because you've got a framework for discussing progress against goals and objectives and scorecard numbers and so on. Yeah. And I mean, what I realized this morning during our, our meeting was that all of the off tracks were me. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. V- visionary That's not right. Yeah, visionary shouldn't have rocks, Shanna. And as a card-carrying visionary, that served me well over the years. So yeah, for um, sure. So you know, I got to blame me for that. Yeah. So let's talk about outside of business. How do you find running multiple businesses and being obsessive about what you're trying to accomplish affects your family life and other passions that are important to you? Yeah, for sure. Well, one of my biggest passions is travel. And since, you know, we're all stuck at home today, that really isn't an an option. I'm a scuba diver and I'm landlocked in Arizona. So Mm. in order to do the one, the thing that I love the most, I've got to go someplace. So for me, it's kind of been a blessing because I've been able to devote a lot of time to figuring all of this out where I may not have, but I'm pretty lucky. I have, you know, a super supportive spouse, as I've mentioned, and my folks live uh, not far from me. And so I don't have a ton of demands on my time other than running the businesses and doing those things. So I really don't believe you can have work-life balance. I believe there's kind of an ebb and a flow. And so, you know, typically for me, the season of summer is usually a little bit slower. And that's when I get a lot of my strategic planning work done for the next year. And I take some time off usually, and we go somewhere. This year, it's been from the living room to the kitchen, but... (laughs) Well, it's uh, we here in Minnesota, we feel travel is vital during the winter months. And I know that in Arizona, people feel travel is vital during the summer months. So same. Exactly. Uh, Just about 100 degrees difference on the thermometer for sure. Let's think about leadership and EOS and running an entrepreneurial business. If if I were to ask you to share with our listeners who are either running a thriving entrepreneurial company or struggling, what piece of advice would you want to give them? Well, I would say that, you know, one of the things I've learned in the last six to nine months is that I'm almost always the roadblock. And so, you know, that's one of the things that if it's thriving and you want it to thrive more, or if it's stagnating for some reason, or you feel that it isn't, you know, moving in the direction that you want, it's almost always your own limitation, whether it's, skill, mindset, or Mm. simply just not having the right tools. Awesome. So take a look in the mirror first. Yep. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Shanna, it's been phenomenal talking with you. I really appreciate you giving us your time. Where can listeners go to learn more about your businesses and about you? Yeah, for sure. So heritagefinancialaz.com is our website. Lots of great info there as well as my husband and my bios and information on all of our services. And then tingemgroup.com is our technology consulting business. And we're happy to talk to any entrepreneurs anywhere about any of the EOS framework, traction, or anything that we do. I I love chit-chatting with other entrepreneurs and helping them figure out their struggles. And it's going to be an entertaining conversation. So thanks for making it so fun to spend time with you today. Uh, With that, I'll close by saying thank you for listening. And remember that the world needs all of us to lead right now more than ever. Here's hoping today's podcast helps you do just that. Thanks again, Shanna. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 
If you got value from today's episode, do me a favor. Open your podcasting app and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. If you've already subscribed, please subscribe one of your friends. Thank you.